Alrighty, so I am here today for Manic episode number seven. And today we are going to do kind of like an informational podcast. For this one, we are specifically going to talk about nootropics. Nootropics. I always want to say nootropics. No, it's no, nootropics. No, what? Like, no, like, like Noah, like Noah's Ark. So nootropics. Nootropics, sure. Okay. I, that's what I call them. Nootropics! No Start us off, Jesse. I wanted to ask you because you know a lot about this kind of stuff. What exactly are they? Uh, so basically, they're a class of drugs that really came around kind of in the seventies. Um, they're essentially cognitive enhancers. So cognitive enhancers. Okay. So the entire point of nootropics are to make you you know, smarter, process things faster, or live longer, or increase lifespan, or, you know, push the human limits kind of past its boundaries, um, which sounds a lot more idealistic than the reality of the situation. So what it sounds like to me is you're talking about the limitless drug, but that's not what these are, right? These aren't, no, like, actual no. drugs. These are, like, supplements, no, right? I'm, no, I mean, like, it's a similar concept, but in no way, shape, or form does, does the limitless drug exist. You know, the closest thing to that would be like Adderall, Adderall, <laughs> or, like, or like meth, which right. are, which aren't considered nootropic drugs, even though they, in you know, technically give you a cognitive enhancement. In a sense. Right, but isn't it in order to classify it as a as a nootropic that it's like a supplement, not an actual well, like no, psychiatric medication, right? No, that's not that's not true. A lot of nootropics are psychiatric medications. Oh, okay. Um, Nootropic has to meet certain criteria for it to be, to be considered that. Okay, and what's that criteria? It has to have a low, uh, low side effect profile. It needs to have some sort of cognitive enhancement. And it has to have low toxicity. Um, so in order to kind of, like, for, for instance, caffeine and even nicotine are considered nootropics. But Adderall and benzodiazepines aren't because they have toxicity profile they have a high side effect profile and they are um, they negatively affect the brain when taken for long periods of time interesting so things like things like L-thionine and stuff like that are yeah, those so the, the, most, the, the most popular nootropic at least I would say from what I understand is, is L-thionine which is a chemi- chemical found in green tea or most teas Okay. Um, and the most common way to take it is with caffeine. You, you do uh, a two-to-one ratio. So you take like 200 milligrams of L-thionine with 100 milligrams of caffeine. And L-thionine kind of negates some of the negative side effects of the caffeine, such as the, the, the sleep issues, the agitation, the anxiety, uh, as well as L-thionine um, being, enzyme, uh, being enzylytic in its own right as well as helping with sleep issues and helping with attention and memory. Um, there's no contraindications of any food or drug that's known, and it's incredibly safe for you. Uh, it's just, just the quantities normally found in tea are so low. Yeah. So that's why you take it in supplement form. And there's been a lot of studies done, with it, and generally the agreed-upon way to take it is with ca- caffeine and in that two-to-one ratio. Uh, I personally take that. And it's it really... I mean, the jitters that you get from caffeine go away... Uh, you feel a lot more refreshed than you do. Um, takes away some of that dirtiness. Okay. Um, 
And it's just good for you in general. Too. Right. So, would you say... Alright, so you said in order for it to be a nootropic, it has to be, like, low toxicity, right? Yeah, low toxicity, uh, low side effect profile, and it has to enhance or, or, or some sort of cognitive so where enhance. So, where did, where did the... Where did these come from? Like, how did people discover that this was a thing that happened? From what I understand, the first kind of... I mean, I'm sure that humans have been experimenting with the idea of, you know, enhancing our brains with drugs since drugs were invented, but... Yeah. The first kind of start to this idea was back in, I believe, I want to say the 70s or the 60s, um, with this Russian drug called uh, paracetam. Okay. And so, like, there's a class of drugs called the racetam, so there's a bunch of them. There's, there's piracetam, there's um, phenylparacetam, there's um, levetoracetam, there's coloracetam, uh, oxoracetam. What is it? Oxoracetam? Yeah, oxoracetam, yep, exactly. Uh, and there's a bunch of different ones, and they all do a bunch of different things, but they're based on the similar idea of increasing memory. Oh, Neuropept is another one that's really popular. And it all kind of culminates in this idea that these drugs can increase your, your memory. Um, you're able to retain more. You're able to process quicker. You're able to think logically. Um, you're able to focus more. You have better retention, better motivation, better discipline. And it sounds great in theory. <laughs> but the racetams are generally pretty, um, pretty benign substances. They don't really conflict with much. Um, you know, a lot of people will take a choline sub- supplement with them because they can decrease uh, the amount of choline in your brain. They work with, um, they work in the amper receptors or ambicane receptors. And that's, I think that's kind of where it started. Similarly, along the lines of like Phenibit, which is another drug that, that, that some people classify nootropic, some people don't because it can be addictive and it can have a side effect profile, uh, which is also another Russian chemical that helps with anxiety. Um, so that's kind of where it started. It's kind of where it started with that class of drugs, at least from, from my knowledge. So how did you get into knowing so much about this class of drugs? Well, I guess I was just kind of sick of this idea of we're limited to what we're prescribed. And I, I kind of made myself a little test subject and I started looking into this stuff. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people do it for life extension. They want to live longer. They want to be healthier. A lot of people come up on these things, similar to me, of, you know, like, I'm, like, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not performing to the best of my capabilities, or I'm anxious, or I'm stressed, or I'm depressed, or I'm not good at my job, and these kind of offer the idea of an easy solution to that, you know, you take drugs, and boom, like, now yeah, because I know that, yeah, because I know that you have, you have reported when you take Phenibit that it does help you become more yeah, productive during the day. Yeah, because it is so addictive, you have to only take it. Yeah, you can yeah. only take Phenibit. Well, the general, there's, I mean, you can take Phenibit as much as you want, but the, the general kind of understanding, at least online on the, you know, the, the forums and, and Reddit, is that Phenibit is most safely used twice a week. Uh, any longer you take Phenibit, you, you have the potential of increasingly high dependence, and withdrawals are severe from Phenibit. Um, but. You know, there, there, there are other more main ones that, that, that fit the, the category better. Like, like ashwagandha is a, an adaptogen. But I've, you know, I've, I know that ashwagandha is... It, it's, it's an old Ayurvedic medicine. And it's fantastic for sleep and anxiety. Um, 
Have you ever personally experimented with that? Yeah, I bought some at a, at a drugstore a while ago and I took some, but the problem with these things is the supplement industry isn't as regulated as, as you know, pharmaceutical medications Right, are. right, right. So you can buy ashwagandha at a, at a, at a drugstore and it'll say, oh, 300 milligrams, you know, take it. And what you realize is you're actually only taking, like, a portion of it that has the active ingredient, the, the, the quarter, the with phthalides. So you've, you know, the people who take this seriously go online and they look at, you know, extracts that are guaranteed to have a certain percentage of withanalides in it and a certain type of withanalides. And um, I never really got deep into that. But there, there's others like Zembrin, which is an extract of a South African plant called Kana, uh, Scalidium tortuosum. And Zembrin works on your serotonin system uh, in ways that are beyond my comprehension. But it... Uh, Zembrin is kind of used for mood. Uh, you can also smoke it in its plant form, but it's used for mood. It, it's it's an SSRI. Essentially. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, it's a true. unique SSRI, but it's considered nootropic. Um, Bacopa monieri is another one, and that is, I believe, it's, I think it's an extract from a plant, and its main use is, is memory retention and memory storage. Um, and there's, there's plenty of others out there too. I mean, I could just sit here for an hour listening to all different names, but they all have their different purposes depending on what, on what you're looking for, you know. Yeah. So would clonidine be considered nootropic, or is that still up for review? Clonidine would not be considered. Clonidine is just a blood pressure medication that okay. has different. So some examples of like pharmaceutical nootropics that you could like get prescribed. Mamantine. Um, is considered yeah, and I guess with things like clonidine, because they are blood pressure medicines, they don't really enhance yeah, their cognitive no, there's functionality. No, like, there's no right, and and that's and that's where the lines get blurry as to what's considered nootropic or not. Yeah, because there's a very specific box that they have to fit in, and they have to check all these things, and some right. don't. And nowadays, nootropics are being considered by people just to be like, oh, anything that you know makes you feel good or like does something yeah. good for you. Whereas in the old days, it was a lot more strict. Like, it has to do a certain thing. It has to actually do something to you with a, with a positive kind of cognitive development rather than just a pseudo-high, right. in a sense. And that's kind of a big issue in the community now. But So why do you think people aren't, I guess, as gung-ho about nootropics as they are about pharmaceuticals or any other kind of drug? You mean, why, why did you don't think it's widespread? Yeah, well, like, why Why do you think that, that... Well, because I think you hear stories every day about your friends taking Adderall or, or taking Dexedrine or Benzos, but you don't hear stories every day about people taking untested Russian drugs that you can only buy online. And I think that the, the idea, the concept of it scares people away. So why do you think that the market for nootropics is so, like, dense? And, like, it's not... Like, doctors aren't... Like aware of it? Like they're not like aware, or they're not like excited to like explore it. Right, right, right. I think because because they don't treat, they don't treat anything. Okay, so it's not like long term; it's very short term. No, I mean like like paracetam. You know, it takes two weeks for you to notice. I mean, people people take this stuff for years and years and years. But it, but you but you you're not using it to treat anything. You're using it to enhance an already normal individual. One of the key things about nootropics is, is you know, in order for you to, to understand or expect results, you need to make sure you have diet, exercise, and sleep in check first. Because right. those three are the best nootropics of all. Those are the best cognitive enhancers you can have. 
Okay. So if you have those three in check and you have these additional things on top, then you might see some improvements. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, you're not going to take Paracetam for six months and then wake up one morning and feel like a god. You're going to learn Spanish in three days. You're going to wake up and think like, I remember the day just that little bit better. Or like, so I just feel a little bit sharper. Okay. So there's a subtlety to it. And I think that a lot of people don't want that subtlety. They want that, I'm going to take this pill in 30 minutes, I want to feel great. Yeah. And there's that instant gratification. Whereas with nootropics, you take something for six months without any guarantee of any sort of result whatsoever, positive or negative, and right. you just cling on to this hope that it's going to work. So you don't think that nootropics could be used to aid in helping, like, mental illness or no, I cognitive do. dysfunctionality? I, do. I, think, I think that there is a, a big market out there for it, and a big reason to. I mean, um, intranasal insulin is considered a nootropic. It's, 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 it's just regular insulin, Novolin R, buy a Walmart for 25 bucks, and you put it in a nasal spray, a metered nasal, nasal spray, and then you just snort it. And the concept is that the insulin never reaches your, the blood in your body in any impactful way that changes your insulin levels or your, like your spikes of blood sugar. And it stays and it all gets absorbed in your brain, which doesn't affect anything with diabetes. So it's safe. Okay. That's effectively what I'm saying. Right. And it was originally developed for um, Alzheimer's patients because Alzheimer's is often considered diabetes type 3 in a sense because it has to do with insulin in the brain. Oh, wow. And someone was like, well, hey, let's try this out at home because that's how all science has started. Right. And someone snorted some insulin and found all of these positive effects. Like, I think in, in males it was determined it could help in, in weight loss. Um, oh, wow. Clearer vision, um, all the buzzwords, you know, like yeah. more mental strength, um, easier to focus, easier to pay attention, easier to feel, less stress. Yeah. All this stuff. And a lot of it is scientifically sound in theory, but some people respond, some people don't. Some people are too scared to snort insulin in their noses. Right. And the cool thing about these is, like you said, like there's low toxicity. Right. So there's not a lot of negative that can come out of trying these things unless you well, obviously, obviously if you try them in excess. Yeah. I wouldn't say this. I, you know, I would definitely say that, but I also don't think it's, it's, it's you know, the, it's not safe by any means. I mean, you, you don't you don't know what you're putting in your body. You don't know if this chemical you just ordered off this website is from a, a reputable vendor that's sending you some Chinese stuff that's only 90% accurate and the rest of it is toxic. Right. And that's where the danger comes in, is it's not regulated. It's not like you go to the pharmacy and you pick up a bottle of pills and you know exactly what those pills are. You buy this tub of powder online. You don't know if you're dosing it accurately. You don't know if your scale is accurate. You don't know if the powder is 100% you know, lab tested, third party tested. You don't have COA. You just have this random powder and you're just going on hope that they sent you the right thing. Now, obviously, there are reputable vendors out there, and there are, you know, there's online communities that, that ensure safety of this kind of thing. Right. But you're always taking a gamble. Right. So what we're saying here is basically that nootropics can be helpful in and of themselves, but always err on the side of caution. Yeah, and always but, be sure that you're researching and that you know what you're doing. Exactly. You know, like, I, I, I ordered something called uh, racetam. It's called racetam. And... I, I wanted to try it, but I kept reading bad experiences, and I kept reading a lot of good experiences, and I just, I, at the end of the day, I was like, I don't need to put this risk in my body. And, right. And I still have it, actually, in, in, my, in my bedroom. Um, but, but things like L-thionine and caffeine, like, take that all you want. Right, because you know, like, those are like... And you don't even need to take it with caffeine pills. Just, you just take the L-thionine with a cup of coffee. 
I mean, it's just the same thing, or with a cup of tea. Yeah, uh, I've done that before. Myself. Yeah, you've you've had me do that before, and that was actually a really, really good experience, because you still get, like, the kind of, like, energy that you get from yeah. caffeine, but you don't get the jitters. Yeah, you don't get the jitters, you don't get the anxiety, the brain fog, the crash is easier. Um, so there's, you know, there's some, it's the same with, like, ashwagandha. You know, ashwagandha's pretty damn safe. Yeah. Um, but then you get into some of these nootropics, you know, like, there's this drug now called uh, NSI-189. Which was touted to be the, the depression killer, um, and it is unique in that it promotes it actually promotes neurogenesis in the brain. Oh wow! I think of a hippocampus, and people were like paying thousands and thousands of dollars to get this synthesized, like behind back doors, behind like the patented <laughs> right. company that patents it. Yeah, and those these big group buys, and now it's you know hard to find. But I got my hands on some. I tried it for a while and. And then you look back and you think, like, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, and, and, and so some people go to these extremes, I think more so just out of curiosity than anything else. Yeah. Just out of what, what, what else can I do? Or like, 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 we're guinea pigs in our own test. Right. Time. And I mean, especially with, with, with people who have had similar experiences as you, where you've, you've gone through a lot of different mental health medications and you've seen not a lot of results from it. Yeah, and you've yeah. kind of like hit a dead end, so you're kind of sitting here like, well, what else is there? So you kind of have no other choice but to be your own guinea pig, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that, but the, see, that's that's the problem though. Is you know, it's when you get into something like nootropics, and then you start stepping out into the more dangerous kind of research chemical side of things, you know? Right. And I think that a lot of people who start out in nootropics with a mental illness kind of reasoning end up trying the more dangerous things easier and more quicker because they are blinded by their desire for a quick and easy fix. Right. And then that leads them to things like um, ordering etizolam, which is like a, it's called theanodiazepine. It's like a cousin of benzos, and it's potent, and it's dangerous, but it's in a gray area in some state. Most states, I think, still. And Don't legal. give anybody ideas. <laughs> and I won't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and things like... Um, like, you know, then you, then you start getting into, like, research chemicals, which you can buy and sort of try out. Like, 1PLSD, which is a precursor to, to acid, or 4ACODMT, which is a precursor to mushrooms, or all the 5MEO um, variations and all these hallucinogens and, 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 and hexin and um, all these PCP analogs. And they're all just available to purchase, and it's easy. And you start diving into this corner where you started off wanting to help yourself and now you're looking to get high. And yeah. And you think that you're smart about it because it's legal. Right. So do, so do nootropics have uh, the ability, the capabilities to get you like high, quote unquote? Some of them do. I mean, okay. it, but it all depends on what you, what you consider a nootropic. I mean, I would say like Fenibit has nootropic properties, but it isn't, a nootropic compound. It's it's addictive. It has side effect potential. So would um, you say? So would you say something like kratom, kratom, however you say it, would be a nootropic, or do you no, think? No, I don't think kratom's a nootropic. No. I think it has good properties, but there's nothing cognitively enhancing about it. I would say the ability to reduce anxiety is cognitive enhancing for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say the same thing too. But the, but there's a very scientific kind of definition of that. You okay. Know, it's, it's, I think to us, that's more 
relief. Whereas cognitive yeah. enhancement would be the ability to handle take somebody, stress yeah, to better. take somebody neurotypical and then make and, them and, better. Right, exactly. For it's us, like, it's like it's like a, a better human. Yeah, for us non-NTs, it's like just making us an NT. Right, right, exactly. We're just we're we're, we're getting to their level neurotypically. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, you know, kratom or kratom, I wouldn't consider neurotropic at all. Um, and same with kava, I wouldn't consider kratom or kava neurotropic. But I, but that doesn't mean they're harmful. It just means that they don't fall into this class of compounds that like. You know, I always imagine like this, it's like, you know, if you're trying to build a superman, like a super warrior for, like, the army, yeah. you wouldn't give him Kratom and Kava, but you probably would give him, like, Bacoba for the memory and, 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 and Racetam for the memory and the attention and the focus and all those other kind of smart cognitive enhancing effects, but you wouldn't give him Kratom and Kava. So why do you think that they're not using these cognitive enhancing effects, like, boosting memory and things like that? Like, why do you think the scientific community isn't, like, rushing towards those things for things like Alzheimer's. Because the effects are minimal, at best. And some people have large enough effects with them, but it's, it's, they're, they're not extreme. They're very subtle and in the background. And you, and you don't feel them. You just right. kind of know it's there. So it's like, it works. So it's like over time, like yeah, you have to take it like a, as yeah, a precursor. It, yeah, exactly. As a precursor to Alzheimer's to help like make sure that you don't get it, not while you have it. <sighs> I mean, not every drug is going to help with Alzheimer's, you know? No, right, 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 right. Like, right. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I guess so, I was sort just of. curious. Sort of. More, I guess you could say preventatives, but, but they don't even necessarily prevent. Right, that's prevent, the word I was looking for. They don't even necessarily prevent illnesses in a sense. It, it's, it's. Just enhancing it in that moment? Just ish. while you're taking it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. while you're taking it. I mean, but some of them are, you know, like, like there's, there's one called Levetiracetam, which is better known by the brand name Kepra. Oh, okay. Which You've I talked think, about I think is um, an anti-seizure medication. Oh, okay. And then there's another one, I think I want to call it Pravadaracetam, which is used as an anticoagulant, I think. Anticoagulant. I know you've explained it to me before. Having the effect of retarding or in- inhibiting the... Co- Causticity? Coagulation of the blood. Oh, uh, well, that's helpful. Blood thinners. Yeah, so I think it's a blood thinner. Um, but so some racetams have been developed... To do that, and I mean, Russians. Uh, Russian scientists developed Fenibit specifically for astronauts going into space. Um, specifically, why? To help with anxiety. Oh. And, that, okay. and that's another thing. Is, you know, if a typical Fenibit dose, based upon Russian prescribing, it, 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 these things get prescribed in Russia. I mean, you can get Rastam prescribed. That's cool. And you can get Fenibit prescribed for anxiety. Um, but I think it's typical that it's 250 milligrams three times a day. But someone who buys it online most likely is taking two or three grams in one big dose um, for the recreational aspects of it instead of the therapeutic aspects of it. Um, but yes, I mean, so some of them are used pharmaceutically. So do they use it? So, so my question is, I'm just like throwing this out there randomly. Do any of these get used in, like, the background, like, in the military or the army or anything? Like, do you think that there's a market for people in the military? Because I know the military is really weird about pharmaceuticals and things like that. I'm sure they've done their own, like, private experiments with stuff, but... No, because I just... I don't think the the, the benefits outweigh the, the, the cons there. I mean, there's... You're injecting... There's no reason to. The... the, the the, the differences are so minimal, and the, the effects and the positives 
for most people are, are underwhelming in a sense, which is why it's not such a big thing. You know, it's not like this AI tech where like there's a secret group of, or a secret society of people who have access to these yeah. drugs and these resources and they're just smarter than everybody else. Otherwise, like our world right, but would be I, vastly but, different. Right, but I would think some 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 kind of drugs like modafinil and things like that. Could, yeah, modafinil is a big one. Yeah, could could help like combat veterans of like sleep deprivation and things like that. I mean, like well, that. that's what is prescribed for narcoleptic or narcoleptics or, or okay, narcolepsy. Right. Okay, sure, yeah. And it's also, modafinil's huge in Silicon Valley. Okay. Um, and, and the, yeah, and it's considered neurotropic too, so that's, that's a perfect example. And, you know, and it's prescribed. Um, it's cheap too, well, sometimes. But, um, yeah, momantine's another one too. Momantine's is a, um, I want to say Parkinson's drug or it's either a Parkinson's or an Alzheimer's drug but it works on similar receptors in, in a similar fashion to yeah it's the Alzheimer's disease yeah the Alzheimer's so it works on similar receptors as, as ketamine does okay uh, in, in, in a sort of way and it helps with OCD and it helps with um, attention and memory and, and depression and anxiety, but also it helps with tolerance to other drugs. So a lot of people now will take memantine for its positive mm, cognitive effects as well as um, its ability to reduce tolerance to drugs like Adderall or, or other substances. So, you know, you can take memantine and then be able to take less Adderall and still achieve the same effect as you would beforehand. Um, but it's also a powerful dissociative too when taken. Right. So I know that you you've taken it before. Right? Yeah. I've so been, what was I've, so what was your experience with it? You've been prescribed it, right? Yeah, I was prescribed it. Yeah. So what was specifically for this purpose? Yeah. So uh, what was your experience with it? Adderall hit hell like a fucking ton of bricks. Oh uh, wow, really? I, yeah. I mean, I was I had to cut my dosage in Adderall in half, uh, which is great, <laughs> but uh, it, I think it did help. But I stopped because I was impatient and I went up too quickly with it oh. and I started dissociating um, That's no fun. and so I just stopped it but it did help it did help my, my attention was better uh, ruminating thoughts were gone um, so what are the um, nootropics that you've tried and what, it, what has been your experience with them other than just uh, I've taken caffeine and L-thionine right right uh, I've taken paracetam and what are your experiences with those? So, caffeine, caffeine and L-thionine, I don't really take very much anymore because I've been trying to stay away from just stimulants in general. Yeah. But when I did take it, it was great. I right. Loved it. Um, especially combined... And also, I used to combine L-thionine with Adderall, too. So it's nice to kind of curve the edge of Adderall. Um, paracetam, I didn't experience anything, so I just stopped my trial. What is that normally used for? Uh, memory, focus, attention, those kind of things. Um, it's never really quite clear. Some people get different results. Um, NAC, N-acetylcysteine is another one. That's a good one. I've experienced that. You take it for... There's a lot of different things that NAC yeah. can be used for, including, which I just um, discovered recently, it's PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh-huh. That's actually really good for that. And uh, But mainly what people use it for is to combat hangovers. Well... That's not the, the main thing. What is, it, what is like, the main... It's an antioxidant. Right. But it's great at combating hangovers, because coincidentally. But it's also used for um, OCD, too, to help oh, with those obsessive ruminating thoughts. And that's what I took it for. And, uh, How long did you take that for? I took it for about two months. 
Uh, but I had some other, like, just some minor, like, side effects that I just, I didn't really like, and I wasn't really noticing much of it. And what were those? Like, uh, like, just gaseousness. Sometimes I get, like, irritated kind of easily, uh, which is common for some people, and I see, like, you know, some people don't experience that. Uh, so I stopped. Um, I've also taken Fenibit, which we've discussed. Um, I've taken Mamantine. I've taken a couple others. I've taken ashwagandha as well. Uh, oh, I, I took something called um, Mucuna purians, which is something like it, it's L-dopa, levodopa, <laughs> which is uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a dop- dopamine upregulator, I believe, and. That wasn't a great experience. That was supposed to help with... It's kind of an alternative treatment for depression. That's what I was using it for. It was a terrible idea. But um, it also just helps... It's also like a like a, like a part of a workout stack for like energy. It's a big one. Okay. Um, so would you say like workout supplements would be a considered lot, A lot of workout supplements are considered neurotropics. Yes, like creatine. Okay. Um, methylfolate. Um, choline. Um... L-tyrosine, tyramine, vitamin, vitamins, vitamin B, um, vitamin D even, um, zinc, magnesium sulfate, or magnesium, um, taurate is a good one, I love, and, and glycinate, glycine, there's a, there's a bunch of things that you've seen at the store every day that are considered nootropics, but, now you wonder, like, why doesn't everyone take all this stuff? And it, yeah. It, you know, it does, it, some people just... You don't need it, you know. It's, yeah. it's not like if you took every no, no trophy in the world, you'd be this incredible superhuman. You'd probably just feel sick, you know. Right. Um, but this is just, I mean, there's tons out there. Too many to mention. And the other stuff that you've heard of, like like like, like ginkgo biloba, um, ginseng, uh, cordyceps, all those kind of Chinese, you know, Eastern medicines. A lot of them are nootropics. So this is. This is plethora of, and they all give similar to different effects across this huge spectrum of chemicals right. and drugs. So if you had to tell people, like, one thing that you would like them to know, or kind of like, maybe like a commercial or a PSA about nootropics, what would you kind of tell people about it? I would say it's really fun to navigate that world, but only do it if you're serious about being careful yeah. And doing your research. Make sure you order from the correct places. Make sure you're taking it for a valid reason and you're aligning yourself for why you're trying to do this. You know, yeah. if you come into taking something like <coughs> like if you come into taking something like paracetam with this expectation that you're gonna start increasing your performance at work in a in a in a way that you understand, you're you're wrong. You're gonna if you take it for six months you're gonna notice maybe a percentage increase if you've been keeping track and taking notes, but you're not gonna notice anything consciously. Right. Um, don't get your expectations up. Don't get into the harder stuff. Don't get into more experimental stuff unless you know what you're doing. You know the science behind it. But other than that, I mean, have fun. I mean, a lot of it's supplements, which are easy to, to be careful with. Right. Um, and and if, if I were to say, like, a good starting point would be, would be L-thionine and caffeine, for sure. Okay. And I would do uh, ashwagandha, for sure. Um, and then I would probably... Say the rest of times would be a good step if you do some research and figure out exactly what it is you're doing. Okay, cool, awesome. And what are some of the like misconceptions between nootropics that people 
kind of spread. I think there's just these wonder pills that, okay. that make you into Bradley Cooper from Limitless. I think that's the biggest <laughs> thing is people have these high expectations of what they do, but they're so subtle and like sometimes you don't even know if it's doing anything. And right. Sometimes you question yourself if it's all placebo, you know. And you know, you see all the you'll, one day you'll see someone post like, "Oh my god!" Like I, you know. I took paracetam on my first day and, like, the world was brighter and I could see colors that have never existed. <laughs> and then and he's like, and I swear, it's not placebo. I've never felt like this before. And then, like, the next time I would be like, dude, that, like, it, it physically doesn't work like that. Like, yeah. you're experiencing placebo. And then and then this whole thing is like, what's really happening here? And it's easy to fall into that trap. Right, definitely. Um, and I think that's the thing. And also, I think that another misconception is that these things are safe. You know, you hear a lot of people who just do their research about the effects don't understand the science behind it and just assume because everyone else is doing it, they can do it too. And then they do harm to themselves. Right. Um, and, you know, more power to you if you want to go ahead and take some of this and try it if, you, if you're interested. But be safe about it and know what you're doing. And research more than just what they're expected to do and research the actual science behind it. Yeah. Which I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm a hypocrite. Sometimes I don't do it as much as I would like to. Um, but I know a lot of people who dump in jump in deep and then dump jump in deep and um, end up you know hurting themselves even if it's minor but still right I mean I would say that I think it's fair to say that you do a lot more research than a lot of other people probably do yeah, even yeah. you even you doing minimal research is still probably more than most people do you know <laughs> yeah I mean I do I, I do as much research as, I, I do as much research as I feel comfortable with yeah. You know, like I, I, you know, I feel comfortable with the amount of research that I do on things. Yeah. So, we're, so what are your kind of like outlets to research? Do you look mo- mainly at like person by person? Like... I mainly, I mainly just go on Reddit, and okay. then I look at um, the research studies that are linked there, and then, okay. I, and then I, I, I check for biases in the case studies or in the trials. Uh, I make sure that I can trust the data to the best of my knowledge. Right. Um, and then I read anecdotal responses. You know, there's, there's some people in that community that are just trusted because of their experience. And then some of them are vendors who actually create their products in-house. So you know, oh, that, nice. you know that everything's safe. And, and then right. they'll be on there actively giving you tips, telling you, hey, this is what this is, what this is and this is what you shouldn't do. And, and if you can find a community like that, I think you're, you're safer than just Googling it and buying it from a fresh website you see. Right. So I think kind of to make a PSA is do your motherfucking research yeah, best, and yeah. don't use nootropics to feel better than you feel. Use them as kind of like an If additive. you're going to use nootropics seriously, make sure you have your diet, sleep, and exercise sorted out first because nothing you do with nootropics will make any difference if you don't. Because the like you said earlier in this conversation, that those are the best three the nootropics best, yeah. na- natural that you can ever have in your life. Oh, yeah, and I mean, there are obviously some exceptions, like, like, ashwagandha is, if you're using it for anxiety, that's fine, but things like paracetam and all these stuff, if it doesn't help, either it doesn't help because you're a non-responder, or it's so subtle that you don't even really know that it's helping, or your diet, sleep, exercises are fucked that you're never really going to know anyway, because your body's not performing at optimal capacity for it to, to push you any further. Right. So would you say that the that this is a good not like alternative, but this is a good another step to take if people are non reactors to pharmaceuticals? Do you think that there's benefit of them stepping into the nootropics, or do you think that regardless of anything, they should just like I think, keep on with the pharmaceuticals? I think 
there's evidence to support both sides. I think okay. that some neurotropics are acceptable. Like, like, like ashwagandha is just a great example because it's great for anxiety uh, in relation to, like, benzos. But you shouldn't be toying with chemicals like, like NSI-189, which is that chemical that doesn't even have a name yet. Yeah. That's still in clinical trials. Or uh, there's another one that's, that's GLYX something. Um, you shouldn't be toying with these chemicals if you, if you don't know what I mean, I mean, you know, they're, they're like there's one called BPC one five seven, which is used to like accelerate healing, and it these works. These all sound like droids from Star Wars. So they do. <laughs> That's what I think every time. BPC one five seven like is used for not only like healing like physical injuries like scar tissue, yeah, but it's also used for like healing damage done to your brain, like like interesting, Adderall. and it works. And people inject this shit into them. That's insane. And it, it fits an neurotropic bill, low side effect profile. Um, not toxic and yeah. uh, cognitively enhancing. Right, and I think it's important to say just because it's like low doesn't toxicity mean are, yeah. doesn't mean, doesn't mean there's not going to really right really. doesn't mean there's not going to be no side effects or doesn't right. mean that you can just take it and like not be afraid. <laughs> exactly, and, and but that's what I'm saying. So like that's super helpful, and I know a lot of people who like have had their brain damage from Adderall abuse and have taken it and have recovered. But at oh the wow, same time, interesting, interesting. Don't. So I've been on Adderall now, knowing that there's something out there that can help you. you right. Know? And, and, and if you don't feel like you need the extra help, don't do it. Right. I guess. I, I don't know. The, the, I can't tell you what to do with your body, you know? Right. And my question is, for you, is why don't you become a doctor? <laughs> no, or some kind... Or, like, at least get your PhD so you can actually, like, move these kinds of things along. Because I think a lot of really, really important work, work can be done, regardless of if you want to become a doctor or not. I still think that really, really important work can be done... If people take these things seriously and we find other alternatives to mental health other than just pharmaceuticals. Because I think that pharmaceuticals obviously have their place. Obviously people who have mental illness and who are suffering from mental illnesses can benefit greatly from pharmaceuticals. But I think there's all of this other stuff out there like clonidine and, you know, and um, what is the other one that I take? Prezosin. Prezosin. And then, what's the, no, the one that I, propranolol. Oh, yeah. Propranol. And, like, although those don't fit the neurotropic bill, but they fit in being, you know, a lot of people, like, I tell people that I've taken that for my anxiety yeah, and yeah, for my sleep, and people are like, label. and people are like, I, I've never heard of that before, you know, like, what do you think is the pushback? Like, it's all label. It's not FDA approved. Oh, fair. But, I mean, but you're also, I mean, propranolol and clonidine are prescribed a shit ton for anxiety. It's just, it's just the people are just like, you've just met the wrong people. Right, and it's like... very popular anxiety, anti-anxiety medications. Right, and it's like, and it seems to me that all the doctors that I've, like, expressed it to are, like, said, hey, because of your recommendation, because of what you've seen, you know, other people do, and their stories and their accounts, like, hey, maybe you should talk to your doctor about this, and then I talk to my doctor about it, they're like, oh, well, I didn't even think of that as an option, but you're completely right, here you go. Like, why do you, like, what do you think... Why do I think it's like that? Yeah. Because... Liability, doctor liability. If 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 you come to them and they're like, hey, I want to try this drug that's off label for this, and then it doesn't work and you die, they're liable for that. And now their their ability to prescribe and their life is on the line because they didn't follow the guidebook on how to treat mental illness. And right. there's a very valid point to be made there. Right. Um, and but- a lot of these, a lot of these are pharmaceuticals in other countries, like a okay. Tianeptine, um is for instance called Stablon. In France, prescribed as an antidepressant. Okay. And it's not prescribed here, but you can buy it online here legally. 
But the thing is that 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 where my where my kind of like confusion comes from is that like a lot of these medications, like the blood pressure medications for anxiety and for sleep problems and anxiety and whatever, have like low side effects in comparison to like benzos and actual sleep medication. Yeah, but sometimes they don't they don't fit the bill exactly for what you need them to. It's all it's all very situational. I mean, it's it, and people react so differently to everything. It's impossible to. Yeah, that's Just true. It's not a one size fits all. You know, right? You know, like Fair. like you take twenty milligrams of prednisol and you're good. I yeah. have to take eighty milligrams. Oh wow! Okay. And you know, it's stimulated ass motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so stimulated. Um, it's like power throw stuff in this bitch. <laughs> you know, so I think that that's the thing. Is it's, it's every person is so unique in their body chemistry that it's impossible to do that. And, and then you have doctors who are worried about liability, and then you have pharmaceutical companies who are worried about making money on a drug that can't be patented um, so they never bring it to market even if it is helpful. There's, there's benzos out there that are that are safer to use with, that are less sedating and more helpful for anxiety that are illegal because, or that are prescribed sorry, and are illegal to buy um, because they can get a patent and they can sell it. Why do you think that is? Money. Are, you, are they like less addictive? Is that why? Or well, it's not necessarily they're less addictive. It, it's just that they're not that people just didn't have the money enough to do it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the background, but but I just know that uh, I think it's you know, pyrazolam is, is it. Um, I don't know, but but I just know that you know there there are things like that out there that just people don't sell, and, and they and they don't whether whether maybe the studies weren't effective enough or didn't produce the results they wanted or they lost the patent and it just never came to market and there's just there's no reason to when we have all these other drugs that right. everyone's so used to there's a whole there's a whole slew of factors that that fit into that that question that it's impossible to fair. give one answer fair all right so to kind of wrap up and summarize what would be What would be kind of like your summary of everything that we've just kind of said to wrap up? Um, the abstract, if you will, of our case study. <laughs> I would say, to kind of summarize, um, nootropics are you know, a category of drugs that, uh, by definition, are cognitive enhancers that are theoretically safe. But there's often this hype of... To- as to what they actually do compared to the reality of the situation being much more subtle and much more controlled and less intense and and vibrant. Um, And I think that it's an interesting way to go if you're interested in experimenting with that sort of thing. But you need to know what you're doing and do correct and and unbiased research and be safe over everything um, before you start foraying into the more dangerous sides of the world, of that world. Fair. Alrighty, well, thank you so much for giving us all of that yeah, really of interesting, super helpful information. And um, PSA, we're not recommending yeah, to do any of these. We're not liable for. We're not liable for any of your delving into the nootropics no or if anything happens. So, err on the side of caution, be safe, and do your research, my friends. Signing off. This is Amanda and Jesse. Minic episode number seven. Probably the shortest episode I've had yet. So.